children are leaving. As the children are leaving, it's great to see so many visitors here this morning, so you're really, really welcome as the children are leaving the hall. If you haven't got one of these notes, set of notes, if you could put your hand up and the, ask the stewards, uh, they'll come round and they'll give you one. We really like you to be able to follow what's being spoken about as, you're going al as we're going along in our messages. So this is to help us and there's a few blanks as we go along that will come up in the screen just to help you to keep focused on what's being said. This week and next week we have um, a short mini-series. It's just this week and next week. And it's entitled A Time for Everything. Um, I'll be taking this week and Steve is going to be taking next week. We're going to be looking at uh, some words of scripture here that comes from the Bible from Ecclesiastes. And uh, I'm going to read it for you. Uh, there's lots of people that still need some notes. We're almost there. And it'd be good that you'll be able to follow that in your notes as I read it. It says, A time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to uproot. A time to kill, and a time to heal. As my daughter said, is there ever a time to kill? So do you eat beef? Mm, maybe so. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Seems a strange phrase that a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. So I looked up in another translation and thought, what does it say there? And it actually says, a right time to make love and another to abstain. So if you hear your spouse saying, I'm wanting to gather a few stones right now, you know what she means. But if you guys are sitting there thinking to yourselves, I've never heard my wife say that she wanted to gather some stones like that. That hasn't happened in my house. Then I thought maybe I'll just read the next phrase to you just to remind you. It says, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. I'm just saying, okay? You can laugh, it was a joke, okay? A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. You know, the incredible thing of all those times and right times and right seasons that happen in our lives, they can often be happening all at the same time. In this room, there will be people who are in a stage where it's a time for joy for you. It's a time for celebration and a time for laughter. You've got a happy occasion happening for many family members coming for a dedication. It's something of great joy. But for other people, you might be still in a stage of mourning you might be in a time of silence and a time of distancing from people around you. Perhaps today there's some people in the room who would love to be in the position to be able to dedicate a child, but that's not your experience right now. Solomon was saying in all his writings that he was here in these phrases, that timing is everything, that God has seasons and timings for all things in our lives, and there's a right time for all things. No season lasts forever. 
but all seasons have a purpose and a destiny within them. We as a church, we call ourselves C3. You know, we really believe that it is our time and it is our turn. We have a time in destiny and time of our lifespan that we're here on the earth to do something to impact this earth for good. But not only is it as a time span, but we have a turn and our place to play. You know, if you go to the dentist chair, they'll give you, if you go to the dentist, they give you a time to go. And you sit there in reception and you wait and you wait. And maybe it's past your time that you've got given to be there. But it's not until somebody says your name and says, it's your turn. Can you actually get up and sit in that dentist chair and have what needs to be done? It can be our time, but when it's our turn, that's the time for action. That's time that we need to move forward. That's the time that we actually have to progress and move into our future. At C3, we've been building and we've been going through a tearing down time and a building up time. We've had weeping, we've had celebrations, and we've had the joy of being able to throw things away. That's been quite satisfying and some satisfying. But you know, our season of building has not ended. It hasn't ended in the, the natural, in the physical. We haven't finished all the things that we want to build here. But also, as a people, we are still under construction. You know, one thing is for certain that we can expect change. In life, we can expect change. And those phrases show us that there's different seasons and different times and that we can expect change in our lives. And I really believe that as C3, as a church, we still have change to come about for us as a body of people. Not only in the physical, but also in the emotional and spiritual. There's things that we still need to change in. It's been said that it isn't the smartest or the most intelligent person that will succeed the most, but the most adaptable. I find that really intriguing that it's actually the most adaptable person that will actually succeed the most. Stephen Hawkins, here based in Cambridge, has said, intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. Intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. These little babies here, they're all first children, three families of their first babies. And when they get to the point where their children are one year old, I believe each one of them needs a medal. Each, each parent needs a medal because that first year of life is the time is when we change the most. When you think about it, the, when a child is born, it's totally helpless, it's totally dependent on its parents. All it pretty much does, does is feed and poo. That's about all that the child does, you know, the first few weeks. And then over time, begins to actually smile and begins to respond to its environment and needs different food and then it needs different equipment and it needs different stimulation and just when you're getting used to into one period they change and they need something else and something else new that whole first year is a time of adaption for the child but also for the parents i believe our first year here in this building is going to be are one of our greatest times to keep changing and keep adapting and keeping pace with what it is that we need to change and we need to look at. We might feel that we've made lots of progress, 
but actually we believe that we're just still on that crossing point. We're just on that point of change. We've got a bigger facility and a better facility, but we have a choice. Do we bring the old into the new? Or are we prepared to bring the new into the new? Can we adapt to our new surroundings? Old ways of thinking, old ways of doing things have to be challenged in order to change. I always find it quite intriguing that what some people do as a job. I heard a story that one group of people had the job of solving a problem that was happening within a supermarket. They had a problem when people went to the supermarket and they wanted to buy loose apples, they'd get to the checkout and often the checkout people weren't quite sure what to charge or what type of apple it was. So they thought this is a problem. Maybe, you know, profit and loss was in there. They were worried about, you know, the time that the person took to look up or shout somebody to come and explain what, how they should process this apple that the person wanted to buy. So they sat and they decided that they would actually solve this problem. And they came up with a solution. And the solution is a sticker. Every single apple that you buy these days, loose from a supermarket, has a sticker. And now it can go to the cash point and it's actually scanned or you can put the code in and there's no hesitation. They solved the problem. It was innovation. They actually had to use the brain and think of something new to make some new situation happen. But I don't know about you, but that sticker is a bit of a pain. Have you ever eaten into an apple and you bite into the sticker? I've done it before now. But you know, I've only done it once because actually I'm now aware that the stickers on apples. And I've actually got used to the fact that stickers, apples are supposed to have stickers, aren't they? Is that the way they were created? That's kind of part of our life. I'm just used to the sticker on the apple and now I remove it before I eat the apple because I'm used to it. But you know, you have to think in a new way and not just accept things in order to adapt to change to the next stage. Maybe one day somebody will come up with a new idea and it won't be stickers anymore that we'll be using on apples. These last few weeks we've had many, many people come through our doors. We've had many people come to visit us over the grand opening weekend. And in our house we've had lots of things that we've had to prepare in order for that grand opening weekend. And one thing that I've needed to prepare is beds and bed space in our house because we had lots of visitors. Our daughter came from Bradford, brought friends. We had somebody come up from London. My sister came from the Wirral. And so there were lots of beds for me to prepare ready. And I was, as I was preparing, I was putting um, mattress protectors on the beds. And I suddenly looked at these mattress protectors in, with new eyes. As I was putting them on, I thought, they're flat. There's no actual cushioning in them. You might as well just have a sheet on there. There's actually nothing in them. And when I looked a bit further, I realized that the elastic that was supposed to be on the edges to hook them over the mattress was dead. It was gone. It was just like there was no elastic there. And I thought to myself, how long have they been like this? And I thought, I haven't a clue because I've never noticed before just how pathetic they were. And I decided they had one more try. We had one more chance and they were going out. It was going to be time to throw them out. But you know, we need to stop and think 
before we see things in a new way and a fresh way. We have to take the time and the intention in order to create something new. Our brains are programmed to accept what's going around us because we have to get into routine and into rhythm and we want to get back into a position where we're just normal. Everything's normal and everything's predictable. We have to challenge ourselves not to fall into that status where we're feeling comfortable with everything and actually just fall into it. That's really why it's good to have different people on our teams and different people in our lives that can challenge us. It's also good why we've got young people within our teams and then we want you more young people to be involved in decision making because the older we get, the harder it is to bring in new thinking. Young people can bring that freshness to us. You know, these, these children that are being dedicated today, maybe they're a little bit young yet. I'm sure they are very too young yet. But it won't be long before they get to the stage where they'll be asking questions. Why is the sky blue? Why do you snore, Daddy? Or like yesterday when we had all these children's were coming through and face painting was going on and Sine, who's, who's black, she was painting this little girl who has white skin and the little girl was saying, your skin's brown and black and mine is white and the sunshine did that to me. Did it do it to your skin? And it was just in a gorgeous conversation that Sine did a wonderful job and they were chatting through, but questions after question after question that as children, we need to learn from children and have the mind of a child that we question and we look and we explore and we actually question and, and, and be creative what, about what's around us. We have an opportunity as a church. You may have heard of the analogy of the koi carp. Have you heard of the fish, the koi carp? They're actually those or ornamental kind of fish that often are in um, back garden ponds. Apparently, if you keep a koi carp in a small bucket, it will stay the size within the, the area of that small bucket. If you then move it maybe into a bath, and I'm quite sure why you'd want a koi carp in your bath, but if you move it into a, a larger space, it will grow bigger into that space. Then if you take it from the bath and put it into a pond, it will grow bigger again. As C3, as a church, we have an opportunity to grow. But we will not grow numerically, emotionally, spiritually, unless we put ourselves into uncomfortable situations. If we feel too comfortable and stay in our comfort zone, we will not be stretched in order to grow. I'm sure that koi carp needed some stretching to happen before it could fill the size of its potential because there's still potential locked up in each and every one of us in this room. There's still potential, there's still more and we need that stretching in order to work forward, to move forward into what God's got for us individually and corporately as a body here. There's so much potential wrapped up here. Over the summer, Steve and I have had so many encouraging words because People are aware of what's been happening. And for us, we apologize, it's so new for us. This building's only been kind of in operation three weeks. And for those of you who've walked in for the first time, this is so exciting for us. It's such a new venture for us. 
And one guy said to us that actually it's going to put us, put us on, the, on the map, really. It's going to be a landmark here for the city and for the people around us and for this country in some ways. And he said to us a, a phrase that I was really challenged with. There's a story about people going into the Israelites, going into a promised land, into Canaan. And a whole group went in. But when they came back out, they went to spy out the land. Many people said, it's too hard. The people are too big. It's too vast. And it's too difficult a battle to fight. But two men called Joshua and Caleb came back with a positive report and said, the land is flowing with milk and honey. The fruit is great. There's great supplies there. The people, yes, they're big, but they're not too big. And we can overcome. And we should move in to the land. There are giants in the land but we can defeat the giants. And this, this guy, as we were going along in the car, a guy called uh, Bishop Tony Miller said to us, many people look and they see the giants. And it's not that they're afraid of the giants, it's that they're afraid to become a giant. They're afraid to become a giant. You know, that's resonated with me to say, you know what, I don't wanna be afraid to become a giant. I want to become a giant in God. I want to become a giant so that I can walk into situations with confidence, knowing that God is with me and that God is for me. Knowing us as a people that we can become giants here in this city and in this nation, that we can be a forefront in some things, that we will have initiatives working out from this place, that we will be giants that the enemy will be scared of us rather than us being scared of him. And I thought it would be good to look at one of these guys of Joshua and Caleb. We're going to look at particularly at Caleb because his response after he went into the land is, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. The first point here, I think what marked Caleb apart from all the other people is that Caleb knew his God. He knew who God was, and he knew who he served. It says in Numbers 14, 24, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. He noticed what Caleb did had an effect for his whole next generations. His descendants will inherit it. You know, there was something about Caleb that stood him apart. He had a confidence, he knew who God was, and the, how he responded to that is that he loved God wholeheartedly, followed God wholeheartedly. When you live wholeheartedly, you know that life isn't always going to be easy, but you're prepared to press through knowing the bigger picture is in operation, and it isn't all about you and your comfort. His passion commitment and visionary thinking made him stand out from the crowd. But you know what's really interesting? It says that he followed God wholeheartedly. But the way it worked out was that he was prepared to go into the battle and he was prepared to go into the fight for the people. He actually wanted to take the people into a land that they hadn't gone into yet into a future that they hadn't participated of yet. He was prepared to do that for the people. He was serving the people. You know what? I think he was being just like God. 
because God loves people. God loves humanity. God's heart is for people. He serves us by sending Jesus. God loves people. And Caleb's reflection of his wholehearted following was that he was loving people and he was serving people. I believe for us to become a giant, we need to take grasp of this, that our love for God will be reflected in our love for people. If we're to become those true giants of God, then we need to know afresh what it is to serve our God by serving people. Our message is not just when somebody stands here on the platform. Our message is at the front door or at the car park or when we have a greeting or when we serve a cup of coffee or when we look after people's children or we help people. That's the message. We are the message as much as the communication of the message here. And how we do that and how we embrace people into our world, how we connect with people and allow people to be part of what's going on is the message for people that they will hear. I really believe that it's not really whether you're getting it right what you're doing, but it's more about how are you doing what you're doing. How, what is your attitude towards people when you're taking a task or you're doing something that will really be a message to other people that they are valuable, that they are loved, that they are part of this community. I really sense that when we serve, we can find ourselves. You discover what you really value and what really is important to you when we serve people, when it's not about you anymore, but it's about the bigger picture. I know of people that have gone on to careers in AV and in media particularly that started off by serving in the church and serving at the AV desk and serving in the media department. And because of that, finding a pathway, finding a career, people who gave years of their lives for the academy and found within that year what it was that God was calling them to do. As people served, they actually found what their aspirations and dreams were. Serving in a way that actually poured something back into them as they gave out. Serving in ways that gave them energy because they were finding out about themselves but also they were enjoying the journey along the way. Come along as part of the journey and we'd love more people to be on the journey with us as we serve each other and we serve the community, we serve the body of Christ that we can actually find ourselves in some way. Serving isn't about burning ourselves up and giving so much out that we actually collapse in a heap. But actually when we serve, we're not to serve to actually get to exhaustion point, but we need to keep feeding ourselves as we go along on the journey along the way. I've been recently going to the gym, and I know that sounds like a very simple statement, but you do not know the history that has got me to that statement. I've recently been going to the gym. After being married 30 years, I've now relented and actually decided perhaps it's a good idea. If I'm going to last the long haul, then I need to be fit and I need to be able to be a, a good, healthy condition. So I've decided it's a good thing for me to go to the gym. I'm convincing myself right now, you can see. Yet it is a good thing, it is a good thing. 
But I've decided now I can have the occasional piece of cake and it's okay because I'm giving out, aren't I, on the treadmill, so therefore I can give something back in at another point. Apparently that's not really what I'm supposed to be doing. But it works in my mind. If I give a lot out, then I can put something back in because I'm keeping out giving out. But I've got to make sure that I get that balance that I keep putting in as I give out. I have it on good authority. I'm not sure where this came from, but I have it on good authority that if you cycle a long way, especially from London to Paris or something like that, then you have to eat as you're going along and you have to drink as you're going along. You have to feed yourself as you're going along. It's not a matter of all giving out and not putting in, but to last the long haul, to be able to manage the stretch, then we need to be able to give in to ourselves as we're giving out as well. Before the grand opening, we had so many things coming up and so many meetings, so many different things coming up. And we knew that this season was going to be a full season. What I did for me emotionally, I needed to know at some point there was going to be some downtime. At some point that it wouldn't be all up here at this level and the adrenaline going at this level. I needed to know at some point there would be downtime. And I've always promised myself that I will go on a sewing class one day because I enjoy doing it. And I've never put the time in to do it. I've never done it because I always think there's more important things for me to be doing. Before the grand opening, I decided that I was gonna book myself on a sewing class so that I had something to look forward to emotionally when all the time that I was giving out and giving out and giving out. I've yet to be on that sewing class. Now, I have booked one and I'm gonna go on it and I'm gonna enjoy it because emotionally there was some way that I knew that was gonna be time out for me. Now, not many people, you know, that will be your thing, but as we give out, let's make sure that we pour in so that we can last the long haul. I believe it's time as a church for us to turn tear down the attitude that it's too much. But actually we need to build up, we can do this. There is a way because of our love for God and we're doing it for people. When we get into difficult situations, when we get to, it's the out of our comfort zone, remind ourselves this is part of the stretch. This is a part of us that we need to actually walk into and embrace. And we mustn't walk around going on, it is hard. This is hard, this is so hard. This is so hard and so difficult because we might then turn it to say, it's too hard and I'm gonna quit. Let's not get to the point of that quitting. We make sure we keep pouring into ourselves as we're pouring out and get alongside people who say, come on, we can do this, let's keep going. It's part of the stretch. That's one thing of Caleb, he knew what it was to follow God wholeheartedly and in that he was serving the people with all his strength and all his energy. The second thing about Caleb is he didn't go it alone. It says that, then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Japheth, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. Caleb served Joshua. They were all of one heart and mind. They had unity as they walked the path together. They'd walk together in difficult times and they'd walk together through celebration times. You know, God has made us all with the innate need to find love and fulfillment outside of ourselves. That we actually need people to love us 
to actually fill that hole that God's made us with. We, need, we all have a hole that God and relationships need to fill. You are not meant to go it alone. The first not good in the Bible is it's not good for man to be alone. God created Eve so that there would be community, that there would be fellowship together. God created us for relationship with him and for relationship with one another. He created us for community. It says that Adam and Eve were together and they were naked but unashamed. There was a vulnerability about them together that actually they sensed no sense of shame. And I'm suggesting that to truly relate, then we need to be open to each other, have those difficult conversations when we found it difficult maybe to work together or deal with things. Let's have that vulnerable conversation together so that we can connect in community together. Dumb Friday, this last Friday, and we're gonna be having it every Friday, you're all very welcome to come and be part of what's going on. We had a community lunch, which Sainsbury's helped supply, supply some food for. And we opened it for anyone who wanted to come for lunch. We happened to have a food bank distribution day that day and a cap center that's happening. We have a craft station where people just come and do some handicrafts and sit together. The coffee shop's open. People came with laptops and did some work here. It's an open community. We called it a Friday hub because people need connection. People are lonely. And we can provide a community hub where there's a place where people can come, they can feel accepted, they can feel loved, that we can come and that we can feel accepted, that we can feel loved, that we can connect with each other. And we can say, how was your week? Oh, and I prayed for you about that. How did that appointment go? How was that working out? That we can support each other and we can support the people around us. You know, Joshua and Caleb blessed each other. Joshua gave to Caleb a city. He didn't have to do that. He could have kept it for himself. Wouldn't it be great to be a community of people that uplifts and blesses each other and supports one another in all that we do and that we think not less of ourselves and more about the other person within the situation. And that city became an inheritance for the nation. It's time to tear down the attitude that I'm all alone and nobody loves me. And it's time to build up as a community. I have a family and they love me and I love them too. I wanna be part of the family. Giants don't have to walk alone. They have people alongside them. And the final thing, final point about Caleb, and I'm gonna ask the musicians to come to the stage now. Caleb knew who was in charge. He knew was who was the boss. It says in the, in the Bible, he was talking to the people and he said, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. The Bible also says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all. How will he not, alongside with Jesus, graciously give us all things? 
God is in charge. The Lord is in charge. And when we know by the Spirit of God that he gives to us, when we commit our lives to Jesus, he gives us his Holy Spirit that reminds us that we are not alone, that we are children of God. And God is a great big God. He is over all things, and we can put our confidence and our trust in who he is as a father. Just as Caleb said, do not be fearful because the Lord is with us. I'm going to ask the musicians to sing a song over us and to present this song, a song that says we do not have to walk in fear anymore because we are children of God. And when we have that identity and that confidence, we can walk as giants in the land because we know that God is on our side and God is with us. And anything that we have to come against, we can push through on, push through together because we are not alone. I'm going to ask them to sing. And as you feel connected to this song in some way, if you feel that you can identify with this song and you want it to be part of your experience, then I ask you to stand and join in with that song as they lead us. Thank you. Thank you. 